Hello there, my name is Kathleen and this is the Osborne Tapes, the re-release of the Analyst Corner podcast with Debbie Osborne. Today's episode features Greg Wiesena, founder of internet crime mapping service CrimeReports.com. Greg is an entrepreneur and committed to helping law enforcement communicate directly with the general public. He is now the founder and CEO of two technology companies and works as an operations consultant for various industries. Debbie and Greg talk about the creation of CrimeReports.com and the details of its usefulness to the public and law enforcement. The company offers affordable, easy-to-use software tools for law enforcement agencies to understand crime trends and share current neighborhood crime data with the public. Debbie and Greg go on to discuss how this information can help crime analysts team up with the public to solve crime faster, more efficiently, and even help in preventative measures as well. The company was acquired by Motorola in 2015 and is now part of the Command Central Community Solutions. Today, you can access the website via crimereports.com or by the new name, cityprotect.com. If you'd like to get your agency set up with City Protect's tools and services, see the links in the resources in the notes. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Today's topic is Internet Crime Mapping Service, CrimeReports.com. Our guest is Greg Wiesenot. Greg is the founder of of CrimeReports.com, an entrepreneur, and he's committed to help local law enforcement communicate directly with the general public. Greg has earned a Bachelor's of Arts in English Literature from Brigham Young University and a Master's in Public Policy from the John F. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University. Um, I'd like to thank those of you who are listening again who we we got lost in the first issue of the show. I'm glad to have Greg back here today. His business is is featured along with some other businesses on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm really glad you could come, and some of the listeners, uh, most of the listeners are analysts, but there are some people who are the general public or students. I'd like to just say, um, I don't normally support um, a a business, but I do believe that crimemapping.com is um, an excellent example of increased transparency in government, and personally, as a former analyst, I would have loved to have a service like crimemapping.com because it takes away the role of the analyst as technician. And so, Greg, perhaps you could give us a little overview of your company and then maybe um, tell us a bit also about your new feature, Command Central, that also would help in CompStat processes. So you can talk for a little bit about your okay. work. Okay, great. Well, th- thank you, first of all. Uh, happy to be here and uh, love the show. Um, we, I started the company a couple of years ago. It was actually January 2007. And the real, you know, I, I came at this not with a law enforcement background, but just as a member of the general public. And I sort of inadvertently facilitated a crime while I was living in Arlington, Virginia. All I did was hold the door open in my apartment building and let someone in who, who burglarized the building. But um, as a result of that, I got in touch with our local police department. And, and that was what really started uh, helping me to see that there was a, a, a gap between the general public and law enforcement. It was hard for law enforcement to communicate with people. Um, but I, I didn't really uh, get, get, we didn't really get going uh, for some years until Google Maps came out, and that was what really started us off a, a path of creating a, a destination site for making crime data available to the general public. So 
Our first agency to join was Washington, D.C. in May of 2007, so just over two years ago. We had uh, probably 10 by the end of that year and about 150 by last year at this time. And we just last week surpassed 500 police departments now that are publishing data to crimereports.com, which is the website. And it's, I, I don't know if most of your audience has visited the site, but it's, uh, it's basically a, a Google Maps front end. Uh, very easy to understand and easy to digest data. And our real objective here is to help law enforcement agencies share data with the public in a way that they manage and control. So we provide software to them. It's very inexpensive. It costs one to $200 a month per agency to publish the data. And we basically lift that burden of having to figure out the technical uh, ways of, of making the data available. And we try to make it very timely. So I've now moved out to Salt Lake City where we're based. And um, I, you know, I'm, I, I tell people I'm, I'm kind of interested in a general sense of humanity in terms of crime rates around the city. But when I see crime rates on, and when I see something happen on my street or my block or my neighborhood, we've really got my attention. And that's really what's at the, that's really at, at the premise of what we're trying to provide is the ability for members of the public to see what's happening in near real time, and by that we mean usually next day, uh, crime events that have happened in their in their neighborhood, and let them help to to just get familiar with some of the crime patterns in their own neighborhoods, so they can they can be of assistance or at least change their own personal behaviors to protect themselves, their families, and their property. And um, you you asked about Command Central, which is our second product. So our first product is CrimeReports.com, which is the usually takes two to three hours to set up, so a police department can contact us in the morning and be publishing data by that afternoon in most cases. Um, the second product is, a, is for law enforcement only, and it's called Command Central. And it basically does exactly what you're talking about. It, it takes the analysts out, out of be, being uh, um, tech, technicians and, and lets them get back to real crime analysis. And so whereas the, the paradigm currently is that agencies will use um, different types of tools like Excel, Maybe they'll query the database directly or use Crystal Reports to generate reports. We do all that with um, Adobe Flex. We have a, an application that uh, will do all that for them. It queries the database, pulls them out, and creates charts on it in, on its, uh, in, in the interface. And then all of the elements within that interface are clickable, so you can drill all the way down into the report level. And it really puts information at the fingertips of not just crime analysts, but also it can be patrol officers, command staff, or uh, the chief, him or herself. And we do that also very affordably, a couple hundred dollars a month to be able to get a site-wide license for that. And I think as the feedback that we've had, uh, it's, it's really helped. We've talked to crime analysts and to command staff and chiefs, and I think all of them are appreciative. They say this, is, this takes away the, the um, I don't know really how to call it, but it's kind of just the hardest part of crime analysis, which is pulling data from CAT or RMS and it just makes the data easy to visualize and easy to understand. And that's what we're really trying to do is to, is to um, take away that technical burden from them. Is that a good start? Before, yes. Before the show, I, I did actually go on the website and look at your, you have a little video um, of Command Central. So any analyst or agency or citizen group actually, or politician or policymaker who would like to see that could go online and see that. And, and what, um, I would like to emphasize, though, is that it doesn't mean that crime analysts wouldn't need mapping software to do some of their own mapping. I mean, we do a lot of ad hoc things, or we combine other data 
with the map. So it, it's it's a streamlined thing, though, to take the analyst from being the person who creates statistics for everyone into actually trying to understand the problems and do some more higher-end sophisticated analysis, which we don't do enough of because, as you said, we're, we're trying to get the data, and that's really a big challenge. And I'd like to ask you a question about data because I know myself as a former analyst, the biggest, some of the biggest challenges is to geocode data um, to location. So the analysts listening will know what that means. Um, perhaps you could talk about your geocoding rates and how, how you go about that. Challenge. Well, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so we use uh, Google most of the time to do our geocoding for us, although we can take an XY from an, an agency if they have that, if they would rather use their own XY coordinate. Um, but our, our, our rates out of the box are anywhere from 88 to 93% generally, um, and that's very high for most agencies. They've, they haven't seen, I think most of them, and I mean, you'd be able to tell you and your audience would know better than I do what the rates are industry-wide, but that's kind of where we've been. And then our application can do some other scrubbing to improve those rates. So we try to be at about the 95% level, and I think that will just get better over time. I, I know some, some analysts out there might be rolling their eyes saying that's just not good enough, um, but I, I really see this as a process. And um, you know, my hat's off to all of the agencies that have started participating in publishing crime data to us because they're not required to do it under statute. They're not, there's no, most of the time there's no regulation, no law that forces them to do this. They're doing it because they see it as a way of improving their, the inner workings of the agency. And they're taking, you know, it's a, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit of a risk to do something that they're not really forced to do. And because of that, you know, I think they, they put themselves in a little bit of a vulnerable position and, and being subject to criticism about geocoding or, or events not showing up in precisely the right spot. But those, those rates will improve over time, and I think it's best to just get the data out there and let the public know what's happening. That's really the, the, important, the important piece. And in many instances, as, as you know, um, most agencies in the United States are small. They serve smaller populations. These tools are designed really with them in mind, actually all agencies, because we have a lot of big as well, big agencies. But it's, it's, we're really trying to create Web 2.0 tools that, that make policing easier and make data analysis easier. But uh, there's, there's no question that crime analysts' skill levels are, will vastly exceed the kind of capability that we have right now. We just uh, w we want to beef it up, but you know, it's, we, we can only do one thing at a time here. So it's a good starting point. Well, do, for those listeners who don't understand, a 95 geocoding rate would mean that 95% of the addresses that were on the crime reports and that are submitted or the calls for service that are submitted to crimereports.com, depending on what the agency decides to publish, would be matched. So they would be mapped. It means 5% wouldn't be mapped. And, and that's a big problem because part of the issue is that the data is entered incorrectly often where someone might put, or they'll just put like a park in Buffalo where I live, Delaware Park might be addressed in an address. Well, you can't really match that and you can't really take one location to equal Delaware Park. Um, so you have a challenge there. And that's always a challenge with mapping data and that's something the public needs to be aware of but they're not aware of yet. And I also agree with you that it's a risk to put that data out there for the public because the police agency will then have to be answerable to what is on the map. But perhaps if addresses are incorrect, 
then the police agency will realize the collection of the data is so important to collect correct data, to enter it correctly really matters. And if you're not sharing it with anyone and no one's looking at it, you don't realize how it's not valuable at that point, but it is valuable if you're looking at geography of crime. Um, I would like to know what kinds of resistance agencies have had to, to I, I mean, I know some agencies are pressured to put data on the web and use your type of service. Could you talk a bit about that? Uh, about the resistance that agencies have shown? Right, or that, that how they come to you. I know, for example, City of Buffalo was, you know, the, age, the police department, it was public push pressure to, to, to use crime mapping. And I'm not, not I, I mean, I'm loyal. I work for the Buffalo Police Department, but part of the issue is it's work for an agency that doesn't necessarily, you know, know how to, what's involved. So they'll say, well, we, it's one more thing we have to do. We, we don't have to do, so we're already overwhelmed. Why should we? Why should we right. do the data? It's more work for us. We already have tons of work when we're a police department. Yeah, why do we need to add to the burden, right, and, and add right. more complexity? Well, that's, I think that's a great question. Um, we, we, you know, most of our agencies come through referral. We, we call a lot of agencies and contact them, but um, I, I, I'll give you a specific example. Last week I met with a command staff in the Salt Lake City Police Department, and they said that as a result of using CrimeReports.com, their open records requests had just the, the burden of providing that data just plummeted, because now they can just refer everyone to CrimeReports.com, and and the general public can go there. So now these new move-in requests and things like that can can just be easily addressed without having to have someone chase down individual um, requests and spending a lot of time doing that. So I think there are some benefits in terms of ways that it can actually reduce the workload of the agency. The other important point to emphasize is that the integration time is minimal. This is, uh, I, I think agencies are, are used to sort of longer sales cycles and acceptance periods of software. Our, our paradigm is much different. We, we provide an application, so we've written an application that lives inside the police department network. We install that remotely, just on a phone call. You can just download the application that we provide to you, and we can walk you through the setup in two or three hours. So it's truly not, um, it's not a huge project to undertake, and it really does wonders for um, satiating the appetite of, for data that the public uh, has been exerting on agencies. And so you know, Buffalo was a, a very specific case where the city council brought it up as something that they wanted to see last year. And the Buffalo PD, to their credit, were very thorough in their analysis and um, trying to understand what the implications were and 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 the complexity. And and they, I think, they did a full review of the market and ultimately decided to go with us. And we were delighted. But um, I hasten to add that we we are here for police departments. The police department is our customer. We have never made an open records request. We are here to to help police departments communicate on their terms. And that's an important point to us. I mean, we, we really do, and I think uh, the, the individuals that we've, we've worked with in Buffalo PD, uh, I think they know that, that we are, despite the way they came to us, it, I think they kind of felt uh, nudged along in, in the direction of making the data public. Um, we are their advocate, so we want to help them communicate in the way that's most effective for them, and, and we're here for the police, and we make it as simple as possible. And And... As someone who lives in Buffalo and as an analyst worked with community groups, the kind of mapping you're talking about that the community asks for, and perhaps when I was working, I would have to do special mapping or projects for people depending 
um, the request, and so that took that your service would take a burden off of me as a working analyst or some somebody supporting that work in the department now. So, um, and also I noticed on the Buffalo site you don't include any narrative information because in Buffalo we weren't able to take out identification things. So there's a privacy issue with the crime data on the internet besides mapping to the 100 block and not to the exact house to protect people's privacy. You also want to avoid using people's names. So depending on how the data is collected, an agency will decide whether they can put out more information about the crime on your That's map. right. And, you know, and a lot of it, I mean, you bring up an important point, which is that uh, the agencies ultimately have the say in what type of data is distributed and shared. And that's, that's, the, that's the paradigm that we want to support as well. So most agencies... Um, don't include, for example, um, really sensitive crime types that the general public don't need to know about. For example, a domestic sex offense. Almost universally, those are not uh, included in the feed. And 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 I really do think this is a it, it's a it's a little bit of a process. So Buffalo PD, as they get their feet wet with this and they get more comfortable with it, they may ultimately decide a year down the road or maybe it's five years down the road that they want to include a narrative and they've set up the systems internally to support that. So it's easier to distribute the data, and we'll be ready for that at the right time. But uh, I don't, I don't think that the, any agency should come under any kind of criticism for not distributing everything. I think distributing kind of the basic information of date, time, and location, uh, and event type uh, is is a great starting point. Well, one reason it would be an advantage for a police department and for the community for there to be some data is as as a former crime analyst, I know that when I see, let's say it's a robbery, but it might be someone who knows someone robbing another person they know. So your fear can be reduced by knowing the nature of a crime also. Or you could know that a burglary, they were taking um, jewelry, and you could then see a pattern, and people could you know, lock away their jewelry or do something like that. So when you have data, it does help you understand the nature of the crime. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Helpful. Right, I, and I think that holds true for the, both the analyst and members of the public. You know, what we ultimately hope to get to is to have um, an electronic neighborhood watch, really, where if I log in and I type in my address, it'll say, "Here are the top three types of crimes that happen within a half mile of your home." And you know, people change their behavior. They'll start locking the car or putting it in the garage and turning on a porch light, and that alone will help um, deal. Well, I think will help deal with some of the crime issues. And that is similar to healthcare. If you look at um, preventative healthcare, people taking responsibility for their health and um, preventing diabetes rather than being treated for it. So just like with crime, if you become aware of what can you do to protect yourself, what can you do to not be a victim of crime, we could reduce crime rates. It's not all up to the police, and it's better to prevent a crime than it is to go investigate a crime. It's cheaper, it makes a lot more sense, and nobody wants to be a crime victim. Um, right. Maybe you could tell us um, a bit about the community alert, um, how that works. Well, so so we, you know, this is this is really, uh, I, I'd, I'd almost refer to it as the skunk work type of a project. We we have a system right now where members of the public can sign up, and it's free. They just type in their name, email address, and location, and we will send them an alert based on how close a crime happens to that location. So we can measure the distance between the crimes that have occurred and their address, and we send them a customized alert either daily, weekly, or monthly that say the following crimes have happened within, for example, a quarter mile of your home. 
and we list them. So we make it, we try to make it very easy and very personalized and detailed for them. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, I think we'll eventually, we'll start to incorporate broader social networking tools and more two-way communication to let members of the public not just receive information but the police from the police but also provide it to the law enforcement agency and collaborate with each other you know just the other day it was probably two actually it's probably two weeks ago um my neighbor dropped a flyer off i mean she'd gone door to door to i think 150 homes saying hey well, there was a burglary at the top of maywood drive where i live and it happened between four and five and you know, I don't think the police necessarily need to be driving that. The the members of the public can can take responsibility for a lot of that. And you, you make an excellent you made an excellent point there when you said um, that people can take ownership. And I think that is so true. In in agencies that don't distribute data, people don't really know what to do to make themselves feel safer. And a lot of it is perception. But once they start to see the types of crimes that are happening and especially when they get more specifics with a narrative around the circumstances of those events, they can change their behavior. And they take more responsibility. They start to feel empowered, and, and they start to feel like it's not just the police department that's responsible for it, but it's a, it's a responsibility of that community. And, and as you said, it is a perception issue, but sometimes it's the opposite where a neighborhood might not know that they're, they're, they have a chronic problem. Let's say they do have... Um, car break-ins around their neighborhood often, but because they haven't been a victim and they're not talking to their neighbors, they don't know. And so when they look at the maps, they'll realize that that, that is an issue. And so not only will they work with their community, but they will ask for some police action. So mm -hmm. they become accountable for real problems rather than just perceived problems or imagined problems. And Absolutely. then partnerships can build and be strengthened rather than saying, well, it's all up to you. Well, it's never just up to the police because the police often are called after it already happened. So yeah, unless someone's that's analyzing fact. the data, you don't know. Right? So analyzing the data is so important to actually understand the nature of the real problems. Of course, only mm -hmm. the reported crimes. But let's say people know there's crimes and no one's reporting them. That's another issue. You could say, well, when uh, uh, the police is, are called to a community meeting, and they're saying, well, we have all these crime, and they're, they're not reporting it. Well, that's another issue. So we're working together to strengthen information sharing. Yeah, and I, I think everything, it all adds to that relationship. I mean, I don't, I don't know, you were in crime analysis and obviously still are. I don't know how much interaction you had with these community groups, probably far more than I have. Um, but, you know, that's, I think it's probably typical that uh, a neighborhood watch group will emerge as a re, in response to a pattern or specific crime, and then it'll largely kind of uh, go dormant until something else happens that galvanizes people to come together again. And I think what we're trying to do is to say, let's start with the information sharing, let's let's build these neighborhood watch groups, let them form, and then and then have a repository, have a place where they can connect and where they can, on an ongoing basis, know that they're getting real-time data and be able to communicate in a two-way fashion with their police to be an extension to the eyes and ears of law enforcement. Do you have um, cross-jurisdictional sharing between cities also? In your, do, do you have agencies that are sharing information with more than one agency, like combining jurisdictions? We, we do. Uh, this, was a, this was a key selling point for the San Jose Police Department. They were our second agency to join. And 
what we were able to do in in the in the Bay Area, we have about 20 agencies or so on the peninsula. I think 70 to 80 in California. But if you go to San Jose downtown, you can see data from the San Jose State University Police Department, San Jose Police Department, and Santa Clara County Sheriff's Office, and they all overlap on each other. So not only are they adjacent, um, the university is within San Jose, which itself is within the county, and they all are on different back-end systems. But we're able to show that. Um, in context. So now you, they, they've started to get a, a better feel for uh, just a holistic view of the complete picture of crime. Um, and that's been, a, that's been a big deal for a lot of agencies. Another issue um, I'll just mention, people might not, some of the listeners might not know, is, is that the crime data actually does belong to each police department. And they, even though there's freedom of information, but how they share it, um, and it doesn't, it isn't shared the details of crimes aren't usually shared at the state level or the federal level in each little agency, which there's how many, at least around 15,000 in the United States or 14,000 locals. Um, so this way, other, other agencies can go on crimereports.com and find out more about the agency they might be working in. And it just promotes information sharing and the idea that we can start sharing this information that really is public, um, but share it in a way that's useful rather than a way to um, criticize people or to say what's wrong, like to find solutions to problems. Um, maybe we have a few more minutes. You could talk about success stories. How has CrimeReports.com helped? Yeah, I'll give you a couple um, illustrations. One, when you were talking about information sharing between agencies, there's a chief we work with in Texas named uh, Barbara Childress in North Richland Hills, or in Richland Hills, Texas. And she said she was just looking at the map one day and noticed that there was a string of burglaries. And she called one of her commanders and, said, and asked for more details. And they'd been door kick-ins, front door kick-ins. And she saw that it went to the edge of her geography. And then she said, well, I wonder if they're seeing the same thing next door. So she, indeed, she called the chief, which was also, that agency was also participating in CrimeReports.com. And sure enough, it was, it was spanning both geographies. So they were able to coordinate a response to that and increase their patrols in that area and be on the lookout for that. So I think that was that was one key thing that they'd uh, they'd been able to accomplish was just be able to see patterns that normally they would have just stopped right at the boundary. Uh, the analysis would have at least, but this gave them the ability to see right across that boundary and indeed not even see a, a boundary, which criminals obviously don't see, uh, but they're able to just see broader patterns in a in a regional way. Uh, so that's one. There was another. I'm going to try to remember the details of this, but the uh, the chief's name is Ron Noble in uh, McMinnville, Oregon, and they started participating. Oh, I want to say maybe six months ago or so. But he said, and I, I'll have to remember the the details around this. But they they detected by seeing a an increased spike in fraud. They detected somebody was uh, was running a scheme to defraud the insurance company, which was American Family Insurance in McMinnville and they were able to recover $30,000 that the uh, insurance company was able to recover. So I think just, you know, it's, it sounds trite to say we're really trying to connect the dots, and, and, and agencies are commonly criticized for building data silos, and, and I guess they call it stovepiping. But, um, you know, I, I think that's been a, a dynamic of, um, of just 
the way our our law enforcement is set up and that there's there's different levels like you say of uh, municipalities and states and federal law enforcement agencies but but I think there is will among agencies to to break down the barriers and seeing each other's data and in my experience that that has only grown in fact it's grown a lot over the last few years where Police departments, they're, they, they don't, uh, in my experience at least, they're not really these people that are trying to build walls around their data. And they want to share data. It's just not, it just hasn't been really easy for them to do it. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do is just make it very simple. And, and we have just a couple more minutes left of this show. Um, and, and I noticed on your website you say you have new products under development. Do you, could you tell us anything about the new products? Well, the first, the the command central we just launched, so that that was probably what we were mostly referring to. We launched that on May fifteenth, and we have about twenty agencies that have uh, purchased it so far. So we just barely launched that, and that was a that was a under development for many many months, um, and we're really excited about its prospects. And like yeah, I think you mentioned that the uh, the demo, I actually did that that demo video, and people could go look at that and see what it does and get a feel for its functionality. But I, I think the next step, you'll start to see us um, helping police departments um, just to, to support those neighborhood watch groups with um, with software, with a, with a, an online tool that will let them either join um, a neighborhood watch group or create a neighborhood watch group in coordination with the police department. And of course, uh, first and foremost, agencies are our customer. So we'll we'll build the support tools that the agency wants to see. That's what we're really trying to do is to to make their jobs easier and and connect more directly with the members of the public. Well, one thing um, I like two things that I noticed. I mean, I'm sure maybe more on Command Central was that you had um, looking for an anomalies where the crimes were up, spiked you had built in that you established baselines for the previous 90 days so that someone looking at the data could see when a crime was higher than it normally was right away. Mm -hmm. And I right. also like that you could, people could add comments onto the police reports. So let's say it was a robbery and maybe um, someone in the police department knew it was related to a gang. They could put that in to somehow connect it to that police report, I believe, based on that right. video. I, I, mean, these are, these, I think that's I'll, I'll, wonderful. Sorry. Oh, thank, thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I was going to say that the, a lot of this, you know, this is all driven by agencies. I mean, these are these are not our ideas. Um, we've observed many, many CompStat meetings, and a lot of this is to is to support a CompStat or like methodology, but to take the the technical work out of producing these charts and make it very easy to, and and clickable. So everything you can drill down into to get additional levels of detail. But it is one of the benefits of offering it through a software as a service model is that we can add functionality and components with relative ease compared to uh, previous paradigms where it would take a, a new software update and roll out and maybe someone visiting on site. We can just make that change on our web app and it's immediately available to agencies. So we're excited about the momentum and just the the speed with which we can make recommended changes uh, that agencies want to see. And um, we're running a few minutes over, but I did want to add that I know I've seen studies where at least 40% of of money spent on technology ends up on technology failures in law enforcement partially because we we don't know what we want. You know, we're not tech, we're not um, technology experts in policing, so we you know we have to go with what the vendors say, and the vendors don't necessarily build 
for us. And so it seems at least I know Crime Reports is quite affordable. I don't know about Command Central. It's probably less expensive than some other solutions and software as a service mm-hmm. that, that you aren't just getting the box and then goodbye right yeah it's um, a it's so a monthly it's yeah monthly subscription um well at least it's wonderful in my view i mean i am not a working analyst right now but i do teach in the field and i do advocate for the field and i appreciate you coming on the show greg thank you so much and we will be in touch in the future um as we were talking before the show but i'd like to thank the listeners for joining us on analyst corner stay tuned for more expert guests and best practices in crime and intelligence analysis and policing Again, um, thank you, Greg, and I appreciate you coming on the show. You're welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Debbie. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.